Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Payal. And I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my melting pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Melting Pot, a series of conversations, as we all know, uh, with very diverse and passionate people who, in my opinion, are also change makers and they come from all parts of the globe. My guest today is Brad Vanstone. Brad is, in my opinion, again, truly a change maker. And I like the way he also refers to Mother Nature as our CEO. I'm like really curious to know more about that. A very quick introduction. Brad started off by building and growing businesses to setting up a business making cheese from home because he found that many plant-based cheese alternatives in the supermarket were not great and it was not really easily available. And of course, he himself switched to a plant-based diet. So thank you so much, Brad, for joining me very early in the morning. I know it's in Amsterdam, but I'm really happy to, to talk to you on Melting Pot. Thank you very much for having me in the, the very kind introduction. No, it's all true. <laughs> so, so yes, Brad, where does your story begin? Are you from originally from the UK? Yes, originally from the UK. So I grew up in Brighton, um, but my family's actually from the West Country, uh, which is where the name Willie Croft uh, comes from. I see. And that is the company that one of the recent companies that you've founded, right? That's right. That's the, uh, the plant-based cheese business. Oh, okay. 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 Great. So when you obviously clearly, you know how to grow businesses because I, when I researched you, I saw that you first founded a media company in the UK called The Tab. Mm. And then you move that to the US as well? Yes. So I, I must say I didn't fund the tab, but um, I would like to think I, I definitely helped get it going in the US. So uh, I joined with the, the UK part um, about two years after it started um, and then helped to grow it out in the US. So we, we basically looked to remodel what we've done in the UK 
out in America. Um, and uh, what is um, the tab all about? Is it like a, it, it's a media company, but what? Yeah, so I think most students can probably relate to this. Um, it was basically set up to replace the on-print publication. Um, so most campus newspapers are pretty dry and um, they do actually have really good circulation, but it's more of a project for the journalist writing it than for the, for the actual reader, whereas um, good journalism is kind of the other way around. So what we wanted to do is basically digitize that and to also make the stories a bit more kind of tongue in cheek and a bit more in line with what was really going on behind the scenes at university. So rather than talking about new buildings or new faculty members or um, the debating society, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were more talking about what was going on off campus. So yeah, the, the parties, the, the sports fixtures, the, all of those kinds of things. Um, as well as unearthing a couple of scandals as well on campus. So uh, yeah. it, um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the idea was it was kind of self-run by the students on the ground. So it, it was very kind of autonomous. And um, yeah, it was uh, quite easy to kind of scale across campuses uh, once you got it going. Okay, so it basically you empowered the students to essentially take, try and do different things within that space and try, and it makes it interesting for them as well. Otherwise, like you mentioned, yeah. it's just drag news, which people probably wouldn't even want to, they wouldn't want to, I mean, young people don't want to really waste their time reading mm -hmm. stuff that, yeah, so no, that makes a lot of sense. So what happened? after the tab where did you head next yeah so after four years with the tab and two years out in new york my partner got a job uh, here in amsterdam and so uh we moved over four years ago and that was a good chance for us to generally reset um because uh new york is a pretty um well it's an incredible place but it is you, you don't necessarily get to think about much other than just uh keeping keeping on the same track so on moving here we started to watch a lot of documentaries i guess and kind of became a lot more aware of climate change and the implications that our personal lives were having and we saw that if we were to change one thing it was going to be our diets basically and so we started to eat a mainly plant-based diet um and that was actually quite an enjoyable and actually wasn't too difficult an experience but there was one exception, and that was uh, cheese. <laughs> um, and I think that was for many reasons. So firstly, it was probably my favorite food. Um, but also the quality of the replacements were really kind of lacking behind where replacement meat and milk was. So even four years ago, you had some brilliant products on the shelves in most supermarkets that, that were replacing meat and milk. Um, but for, for cheese, it was, yeah, a totally different story. Very unhealthy, the, the replacements, um, not really replicating cheese in any way other than maybe appearance. Um, and yeah, as someone who loved cheese, it was, it was very tricky to switch from, from what I'd had in my past to that. So my grandfather was actually a dairy farmer. So uh, Willie Croft that I referenced at the start uh, that was his, um, well, my grandparents, sorry, uh, farm uh, down in Devon. 
and um, he he taught me how to make um, dairy cheese, and so I had the kind of basic understanding of, of how to make it from him. Um, and so I was basically applying similar nutritionals, but with um, a kind of plant based ingredient base, and looking at similar processes to, to dairy cheese making. And that that got me, you know, well on my way. Um, so that that was kind of how how it all began. So how long did it actually? How long was the experimentation for mm. before you you decided that okay now we're ready to roll? So down tools after six months. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I was still doing another job for the first six months, and it was very much a kind of uh, weekend project. And and I actually reduced my days to three or four days a week with the previous role. But there was one fairly formative evening where I had some friends around and um, it was the first time they tr- someone else had tried it other than my partner. And uh, yeah, they were really, really um, enthusiastic. And uh, the great thing about Dutch people is um, they're not going to give you uh, enthusiasm that, that isn't real. <laughs> uh, so yeah. if, if they thought it was good, then, um, well, in, in their eyes, it was good. Um, so that gave me the confidence to go I on. Yes, with uh, the Dutch and the cheese. I mean, it's it's sacred <laughs> to them, right? So yeah, well, that's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of countries lay claim to being the the biggest cheese lovers, but um, the Dutch are right up there. Um, so uh, that's that's certainly true. Um, but then I I basically had about a year long period where I was primarily focusing on the recipes, um, but also getting it out there to the first customers. And, and at that point, it, it still could have gone in any direction because I had no funds. Um, it was very much kind of um, door-to-door. I was doing everything um, myself, so producing, packing, um, selling. Um, but it was it was a really beautiful time. I mean, Amsterdam has some incredible markets and uh, it's a very good place for this kind of project. So I, I I really enjoyed that period. There was yeah obviously a lot of hard work and some trickier days, but yeah sometimes I look back and think God um, transport me back to there for one day because uh, those markets were pretty special. Were you producing the cheese back in Devon at the farm, or were you doing it in Amsterdam at home? Well, if we have this conversation in five years' time, hopefully the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> But for now, it, yeah, it was it was initially out of my apartment, so it was quite the operation. I had um, three fridges in the hallway at one moment. Um, had I used to use the balcony as a fridge in the winter because the temperature was consistently below two to seven <laughs> degrees. Um, then I had a couple of hundred kilos of nuts in the attic. Um, it was yeah. It was pretty crazy, but um, and then there was never any space to make anything other than cheese in the kitchen. Um, but it it worked, and um, yeah, given I was just selling at markets and a few stores, it was totally fine to kind of start that way, I guess. Um, and so, what about the farm in Devon that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Is is it? Are you using it for anything at all? So the the the, the farm used to be a dairy farm, and the last cattle left there um, at the turn of the century. Um, but my grandparents have had people leasing the land pretty much ever since. And it's really the hub of the community. It's almost like a, a village hall or a, or a village shop. Um, there are people coming in and out um, every hour almost. 
Um, so it's, yeah, it's been semi-active, I would say. But the, well, my, my grandparents were, were just uh, both passed away actually in the last year or so. Um, so the farm is still in the family's hands, but we're now kind of thinking what we do next. And what I would love to do there is some of our wider um, regenerative projects. Um, so we're looking to um, really control our, our supply chain longer term. And um, I think across all food, regenerative farming is probably our best bet at building a food system that can genuinely sustain us and, and sustain the planet. Um, so we would love to put something up on Willycroft Farm. But uh, at the moment, it is, um, yeah, it, it's as it was, basically, um, a lot of um, open fields. And uh, it's, it's really beautiful up there. You can uh, see the two national parks that are in Devon from the top of the hill. It's one of the highest points in Devon. And uh, to the north, uh, kind of east, you can see uh, Dartmoor. And to the northwest, you can see uh, Exmoor on a good day. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the countryside is, is always special when you, when you're driving. Yeah. So, I mean, Mm. I completely get that. So coming back to your cheese, how many different uh, varieties have you managed to, you know, put together? Mm. That's one. And two, in terms of packaging now, obviously, Initially, you were doing self-packaging. and mm. So did you design the packaging or now in the initial stages? Mm. And now, is it any different? Are you mm. still doing the designing of the packaging? And where does the packaging get done? Basically, please talk more cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long have you got? <laughs> um, Plenty. <laughs> Nice. So um, first up, we've got eight uh, retail-ready plant-based cheeses. So um, we've got three different types of cream cheese, um, a plant-based fondue, which was kind of how we made our name initially, um, a grated sort of Parmesan-style cheese, um, a Greek white, which is essentially a feta, um, and then a couple of sauces to cook with, so a cheese sauce and a truffle sauce. Um, Then... For food service, we've got all of those. Um, then the Touch Love uh, Bitter Ballen, so it's kind of a, a bar snack. Um, then we also have a, a mozzarella style, um, a cheddar style, and a couple of others coming. So the maybe interesting thing to note with those or all of those cheeses is that initially we started producing with cashews. Um, so there's basically two types of plant-based cheese maker on the market currently. One are the type that I first described um, that kind of got me into this. So these are the mass-produced palm or coconut oil-based plant-based cheeses. That's because they are so um, intensive on those two main ingredients. Um, they don't really have a lot of flavor outside of it. And they haven't really been made in a, in a kind of traditional way. Um, they are doing really good volume, so we must give them that, and they have good distribution. But um, there's not really a great deal of thought behind emissions, taste, you know, all of the kind of important things that, that we hold dear. Um, then you have more artisanal producers, and a lot of these folk are, are making fantastic alternatives. Um, the process is a little bit lengthier and 
Um, it's it's quite expensive often because of the types of ingredients um, and the shelf life is off, often quite short. So for sm- kind of small health stores, um, they are perfect. But in terms of getting wider distribution into supermarkets, there's quite a lot of limitations there. Um, so we basically looked at these two models and thought, okay, we need a kind of hybrid of the two. Um, we want to kind of solve my initial problem, which was finding good quality plant-based cheese at mass retail, but we don't want to go down that first route. Um, so what we've done is we're, we're actually moving away from cashews onto white beans because the white beans, we can firstly get them more locally over time so we can grow them locally. Um, but also they, they do have reduced costs. Um, and most importantly, the emissions are far lower. So um, we've, we've done some life cycle assessments, which is basically where you look at the total emissions across the entire supply chain. So from the moment you put an ingredient in the ground to the point at which that ingredient ends up with all other ingredients as a finished product in the hands of the consumer. And we found that our initial cashew-based cheeses, they produce less CO2 than the dairy cheeses we were replacing, but not as much as we wanted. Whereas when we switched to beans, that was where we were making a big, big change. Um, so we're going to be putting the emissions on all of our packaging next year. And we've got an impact report, which is going to ascertain everything I've just kind of run through. Um, also coming out, that's this year, actually, that report. Um, so that's the, the cheeses. Then in terms of packaging, um, we've kind of gone back and forth a lot with packaging over the past um, two years. and. I would say this is one of the most frustrating parts of the business actually, because we've really tried to find a sort of sustainable option. Um, one that can either biodegrade or has low emissions or is yeah partly produced by some form of plant. But every single time we do try and make a good call, it then leads to implications elsewhere. So for example, we're unable to seal the pack um, or it, it doesn't biodegrade as, as the company suggests it will. So we're waiting for a great option to come along, but we've moved back to plastic at the moment. And the reason we're, we've done that is because we can see that we can make bigger gains with emissions um, in our supply chain. So actually for a food product, about um, 10% of emissions are packaging, uh, which, is, which is still a lot but it's not as extensive as I think we all think it is. Um, so it's not to say that it should be ignored, but um, it's, 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 I guess it's a question of priority. And uh, as soon as we have an option that we can switch to, we will. Um, we're always on the lookout. Um, so if anyone listening um, is in the packaging world, please, please get in touch. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at with, with packaging. Um, the material we're using is very easily recyclable, so it's, it is still, you know, relatively responsible. But it's not where we want to be. Um, then I think maybe you wanted me to discuss the the production, maybe because that's always yeah. a massive hurdle. Yeah. In food. Um, so so many projects I think do start the way we did, and then you've got a choice of do you outsource your production or do you keep it in house and the primary option is always to keep it in-house because you just have greater control over everything and 
I think the quality that you kind of have from the outset is always going to be the, the, the highest quality rather than passing it on to, to someone else. But that comes at great cost, keeping it in-house. Um, so I think most people move on to a co-producer and then back to producing on their own. So that's kind of the journey we're on. Um, we've, we've got a, a kind of co-producer at the moment um, and um, we, we've, we've had a decent amount of success there. I think we, we definitely want to automize the process a lot more than we are currently. And um, yeah, I think we will be taking some steps to bring certain cheeses in-house over the next couple of years um, and then the full range longer term. Um, and certainly when we go to a new country or new continent, I should say, whenever there's water in the way, we'll, um, we'll look to produce in-house. Yeah, I guess that's, that's where we're at with production. You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Payal, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. And right. you co-produce and, and the co-production yeah. company, House, whatever you may refer to, to them as, they yeah. are also based in, in Netherlands. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And have you opened a store mm. retailing or is it still, you know, word of mouth or, or how, how is it? How's yeah. the distribution basically? So we, um, we firstly have, have our own store in Amsterdam. So that's also the office downstairs, store upstairs. Um, because one thing we've always wanted to do is to grow the space. Because as I mentioned, there's a lot of great artisanal producers. And I think people's perception of, of plant-based cheese at the moment is really low. So we wanted to put all of our kind of favorite um, companies under one roof. So we, of course, sell Willie Croft cheeses there, but we also sell about 30 other plant-based cheeses there. Um, and then a few things that go with it. So natural wine and um, super nice um, kind of gluten-free plant-based pastas and all sorts of other de delicacies. Um, so that's been brilliant for us because we can have people in the store and really talk about our wider impact goals and, and values. And they can also see that actually there's some amazing plant-based cheeses out there. Um, not just Willie Croft, but a lot of other brilliant companies doing really good things. Um, so that's the store. But that's that's as much a kind of a way of us communicating our impact as it is a, a sales point. So our, the bulk of our distribution comes from um, a couple of retail partners. So we recently launched uh, Albert Hein in the Netherlands and Belgium. So that's, that's the biggest um, retail chain in the Netherlands. Um, and then they have a decent reach in Belgium, but um, they're, they're not quite as big there. Um, then in the UK, we recently launched uh, Waitrose, um, Whole Foods, and then a few kind of organic stores. So Planet Organic, um, As Nature Intended, and, and a few other spots. Um, so the bulk of our distribution is through retail. Um, we definitely have plans to be more food service orientated, but at the moment, um, it's just tricky, obviously, um, with, with the pandemic. So, uh, That'll come 
later next year or, or the beginning of the following. So has it impacted your, your business or do you think that this is, so are you, say for example, in, in Amsterdam, um, mm. are you doing deliveries? If, because that's what, you know, selling stuff online or have you sort of tweaked the model a little bit or not really? Yeah, we, we definitely tweaked a few things. I, I definitely caution it me saying it's affected us too much because we are in food um, and the pandemic did heighten for a lot of people the importance of eating healthier um, and there were many themes that were kind of put forward which ultimately are positive themes for what we're trying to do so I think it's I think it's affected everyone in different ways but I, I definitely won't kind of sit here in two years time and say the pandemic was the reason for for X Y Z. Um, we it's just for us specifically um, because I think we were quite fortunate. Um, but um, I think the main thing we we did was put the store online, which was really awesome for us actually because uh, initially we just had the storefront, and now all of a sudden we could ship to Belgium, Germany, um, a couple of the Scandinavian countries, and. Uh, now France and, and Austria and, and Luxembourg and we we probably would have done that but definitely not at the speed that we did. Yeah so you basically were compelled to to fast forward because yeah. Uh, of yeah which which is sometimes not a bad thing because no, sure. yeah because yeah, otherwise you can say you know you sort of sit back and say okay it's going it's on the cards and exactly. yeah yeah no so that's that's awesome i'm so i mean i know the pandemic is has like you mentioned hasn't been good mm. for everyone but mm. uh, no, i think it's and, and i agree with you that a lot of people have because of um the conditions and having to to be home and you know they have yeah, yeah. have considered food they have looked at health in, yeah. in very in a in a very positive way. So yeah, um, I mean you're absolutely right that there have been a lot of positives that have come out, um, mm. not just for your business, but I'm saying also for the the way people have have started to think. Yeah, which is good. Sometimes you need that. You need a bit of a shake. Yeah, up. <laughs> that's um, it. You can't realize what's important. Um, I think my, my favorite story out of the whole pandemic was um, the recent vaccination. Uh, one of the people that um, first came, came up with it was a, a couple that moved. I think they moved from Syria to Germany a few years ago. And um, this is a classic kind of immigrant story. And um, they moved to Germany and then they discovered one of the, the cures for or one of the potential cures for, for COVID. Um, so we have all of this talk about immigration and the negativities, but this is such an amazing example of why we should be, uh, yeah. Yeah, should be about. more uh, open and more tolerant. Yeah. Absolutely, because you mm. know, it doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. Mm. That's not important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what's important is the skill set that you come with, your talent. Mm. I mean, all of that should should not really be ignored it should be recognized and yeah. appreciated so yeah no absolutely so what is your favorite plant-based 
food. Mm-hmm. Today, everyone's talking about impossible and beyond, right? Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, are there other alternatives and what mm-hmm. is it that you enjoy the most? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, what I think, um, well, there's kind of, I think, two journeys you go on when you switch your diet so first up i think you immediately look to replace everything so if you had a dairy milk you have a plant-based milk if you you know are making a a certain dish you swap out the meat for um, the plant-based meat but actually what i think is really important over time is to go move your cooking and your kind of your food in, in a different direction so actually now we don't really eat a great deal of plant-based meat because um we just find that there are so many amazing vegetables or grains or, or whatever we're making that um yeah can can be equally as delicious um so i think the alternatives are really important to get people switching and then also or or to help people go from say having meat with every meal to having it less so maybe half the amount or or whatever it might be and then for someone who is eating fully plant-based if they do get a craving they've got an amazing option um but that being said i still definitely do um eat some plant-based meat from time to time i would say my favorite plant-based burger is a company called moving mountains they're from the uk um it's absolutely delicious um but actually, if we're replacing meat, I, I actually prefer jackfruit. Um, yeah. Just yeah. find it to be really, really um, healthy, and you can you can r- really season it with with anything. It just holds flavor so well. Um, and then in terms of, I, I I do eat, or sorry, I do drink a lot of um, coffee and tea. Um, so obviously, do you need um, plant based milk? And uh, we're still we still use a, a decent amount and actually coming out of the uk there's some amazing um smaller plant-based milk companies like a company called devon garden and uh hidden figures um so yeah those guys are doing great things but um yeah i mean the quality of what's what's coming through now is is staggering um and so so across the board it's um it's it's really cool to see how um how it's it's popped and, and how quickly the um the quality has risen yeah, I feel that it's there are more and more people who there's a lot of awareness over the past couple of years, and there are more and more people who are um, moving to this kind of uh, food habits, and yeah, which is which is quite interesting. And then when you get into it, then you you like you mentioned jackfruit. Growing up, you probably would not even have considered it to be edible let alone let alone uh, wanting to cook it and eat it so yes i mean there are absolutely um spot on that there are so many alternatives and people are discovering things and because you need to also keep in mind a balanced diet so you need the right amount of protein you need the right amount of calcium you know so yeah so so it's important to do this whole experimenting and then it's it doesn't necessarily mean that you like everything that you try. So then you eliminate and yeah. So it's exactly. Quite, yeah. It's quite, it, it's quite interesting. It's like, you know, a, a new learning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we totally saw it as that. I mean, it was so exciting to really discover 
like Vietnamese food and we started making a lot of um, Southeast Asian curries and stuff and it, that was just such a fun exercise um, discovering all of these new and wonderful fruits and veg and yeah these new ways of cooking and yeah it was very exciting <laughs> I, I loved it yeah 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 I know it is so what happens next in terms of currently you've mentioned that you're retailing out of some of the European countries and you now yeah. are retailing out of Whole Foods and and Waitrose back in in and some smaller organic places back in the UK mm-hmm. but what about going beyond the borders mm-hmm. of UK and Europe yeah so I think we've kind of earmarked the end of next year to do a few trials. So the countries we're particularly interested in to start with are Israel and some of the neighboring Middle Eastern countries, and then definitely the US. Um, very interested in India as well, but I think that'll come probably 2023. So end of 2021, we want to do pilots in the Middle East and um, America. Um, and from there, Um, If those pilots are a success, so we'd probably look to launch in one or two retailers for for six months to a year. Then we will look to set up a probably actually a new company in those places and produce locally Um, because our supply chain, we can definitely localize. And I think um, it's really important that our environmental values are the most important kind of driving forces for everything we do. Um, so that that's kind of a plan or the plan for, for distribution. Then we really want to start creating kind of wider change in the space. Um, and the way in which we're going to do that is firstly, we've got um, our, our first impact report coming out this autumn, uh, which will detail all of our emissions um, I kind of briefly briefly touched upon this but what we want to say to other plant-based startups is it's really important that if you're talking about impacts you've got to put numbers behind it um i think there's a lot of buzzwords out there and there's a lot of kind of goodwill surrounding words like sustainability but until you know how sustainable something is um it's it's dangerous using that word um, and so uh, we, we really want to encourage other people to really measure their impact because then you can make so many fantastic changes. So for us, a massive learning was swapping out the cashews for the white beans. Um, and I'm sure we're going to find other holes that we can now improve. Uh, now we've got these figures. Um, then we also want to start actually working with the dairy industry to actually help it transition um, because so many conversations between plant-based projects and dairy farmers can be quite tricky and quite tough and uh, kind of sensitive as well, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and unnecessarily so. It's it's very kind of them against us mentality. Um, and I've always felt that um, your your best place to make change if you're actually sat at the table with someone having a conversation as opposed to a um, an argument from from a distance. And so um, we've, we've actually got a lot of ways in which we can do this. Um, we are quite well connected to a lot of farmers, both through my background, but also um, through the kind of partnerships we've been setting up here. Um, and the first thing we want to do is start growing one of our base ingredients here in the Netherlands on dairy land. So we're actually putting that project together as we speak and hoping to do the first uh, kind of um, we hope to sow the first seeds next next spring 
Um, and what that will basically show the dairy farmers is that there is another way outside of solely producing dairy. There are other incomes, there are other methods. Um, and if this pilot is a success, we can then scale that and, and help other farmers transition um, because I just have no faith that the EU is, is able to do that, to be totally frank. Um, what, what they have kind of released in the last year in terms of agricultural policies is, is absolutely mind-numbing. Um, then from an activist stance, that is what we're going to be fighting, a lot of these really archaic, outdated EU agricultural laws and, and financing. Um, so, yeah, I would say those are kind of our main goals and and ambitions um a lot of it stems from what we can do together with others in the space as opposed to just willie croft on its own yeah just being the the lone crusader so to speak yeah <laughs> yeah wow wow this is this has been really interesting for me to hear and you clearly have a lot on your plate and all for for good reasons so i wish you all the very very best brad and i i really I'm, I'm going to follow your story that's for sure and um who knows one day you will also be in singapore so yes actually i i meant to mention singapore as one of our test spaces it's we've actually had a lot of interest from hong kong and, and singapore in the last six months or so so that has to be on the horizon as well um, great so. so we look forward to that so thank you once again brad for your time and enjoy the rest of your day because mine is coming to, to an end <laughs> but yours has just begun so yeah look forward to speaking with you again perfect thank you for having me take thank care you. thank you brad's love for cheese sustainable living and taking care of our planet was great to listen to he has clearly made it his mission in life to contribute to healthier living and helping the planet by also making changes to his way of life. I wish him all the success and will be closely following his story. Hope you are enjoying listening to Melting Pot. I will be back with another episode next week. Until then, this is Bio signing off. Do stay safe and more importantly, stay healthy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.